Hello, everybody. It's time for the Saunders and Redders podcast. Without any further ado, the great man's here, Dan Saunders. Hello, Saunders. G'day, Redders. How you going, mate? Very well, thank you. And our very special guest from the West Waterboard Cricket Club, Mitch Cranett and Michael Rippard. G'day, Mitch. Welcome back to our podcast. Thanks for having me, Redders. Good to be back. Absolute pleasure. And Michael Rippon, it's a very warm welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Okay, let's get stuck in. I've got quite a bit tonight. Remember, there's John Bull Shield this weekend at Cardiff number two, where the permitting Saunders got a side. Lots to talk about. And this will be the Saunders show with Redders muting a lot tonight because he's got plenty of material, the great man. Westwater board belted Cardiff, three for 103 to 102 at Cardiff number two. We'll speak to the guys about the deck shortly as well. I'd like to hear a bit, a bit about the deck. Uh, in a very good game of cricket, uh, Glendale Old Boys actually beat out the Rose Scholars 145-134 at William Bower. The journeymen are playing good cricket, 247 for six, which is a very big score in this comp. And the Lions, 161. And then Port Stephens gave Warners Bay, it has to be said, a shellacking seven for 233 to 83. Dan, let's go out of order on our screen and go first of all to the waterboard in Cardiff-Bullaroo. And Dan and guys, please talk us through that. This is a very good win for waterboard. Yeah, I, I think we'll let the boys uh, yes. give a good wrap of the game. Yeah, right. Well, Mick actually didn't play. We we ended up only playing with 10, um, nine and a half if you include, include my injury. I wasn't going to play, but ended up hobbling around the field. But yeah, Cardiff, good ground. Um, pitch was on one side of the square, so there was a short boundary and a long boundary, and it just seemed like anything that got hit through the infield on that short boundary, it went for four. But, um, yeah, lost the toss 0 from 2 for the season already, so that's that's always a positive. But, um, yeah, pitch was fine. They, I think um, just the nature of Cardiff, they just they either – all out for 100 or score 250. So I think we just, we got lucky on, or not necessarily lucky, but we bowled well, um, just bowled in the corridors and bowled to our plans and, um, yeah, just reaped rewards from that. And then, um, yeah, just a couple of the guys are in form with the bat for us early in the season, so didn't make too much of a mess chasing them down. Matthew Herriot, four for 19 off eight with four maidens is a superb bowling performance, both economy-wise and wickets. As you as you indicated, uh, Mitch, he must have had the ball in the right areas. Yeah, he's he doesn't usually bowl for us. He's more of a net bowler, but he um he gets some pretty drastic in-swing. He's, he's quite hard to handle when he can bowl the right line. So, um, But, yeah, our team, we've got... Everyone can bat and everyone can bowl, so it's it's hard to fit blokes in sometimes. But um, when we got a few away like we did on the weekend, um, I know that I've got blokes that can step up and do exactly what he did. So, um, yeah, hit 50 not out in the uh, our first game and took four for not many in the second game. So he's he's definitely proven to be pretty solid for us this season already. Absolutely. Can I, can I just yeah, ask, yeah. Uh, for Cardiff Fuller Room, all out for 102, but uh, Margish... Sorathias with fifty four with ten boundaries. I'm not familiar with him. What what's did he open? What sort of I'm assuming he was pretty aggressive. Um, how did he play? He batted three and we dropped him six times. <laughs> um look like it, he he's very wristy. He he likes playing through the covers with his wrists. Um but yeah, it's no no one's fault more than ours. We we dropped him six times and um, 
yeah, like 50 is a 50, but um, yep. yeah, if he didn't score his 50, it, it could have even been a smaller total. So credit to him, he stuck in there. We were, we were in his ear a bit about how many chances he's given, but it's also on us because we were the one dropping him. So including me, I dropped him once. So um, yeah, now he's technically very sound. He, um, he looks good. So I, I expect a few more runs from him this season, I reckon. And then in response, didn't muck around the waterboard. Got him in inside 20 overs. Miller with 41 marks and Harriet and Harriet having a good day. 14 off seven balls, not out. But it's just a comprehensive performance. Um, I see a particular member of the Rippon family didn't trouble the scorers, Michael, which um, I'm sure he won't be pleased about. Yeah, I only found out that he got a duck today. Uh, he kept pretty quiet about that one, but um that's all right our niece has started playing cricket this year for the first time and she's already got me and my brother beat for runs already so she's beating both of us <laughs> together at the moment just a th- thumpy performance Dan, and, and waterboard keep on running uh, going well that's just it's as simple as that it's a it's a brutal thumpy performance early day early to have beverages I still think that that's a case for having a bonus point, getting them inside twenty overs. That's I've been. I, I'm. I'm not trying to harp on it, Dan. I have been a bit consistent on that point, have I not? No, very much so, and that's a perfect example. You can roll a team for one hundred and thirty-three overs, and you can go and get them at five and over before drinks. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm certainly not against it. No, look, waterboard just keep on keeping on, and, and as Mitch said, you know, the, across the board. Pretty much all of them combat and bowl. We've got so many options. And Thank I you. guess the trick for the waterboard now is knowing which players to use at which times and which conditions. And, I mean, I think it was Jacob Rippon last week took three far. Normally, Michael's sort of right amongst the wickets with his with his leggies. Um, of course, Mitch hasn't really been required at all, been injured and, and whatnot. So the, the waterboard are two wins and a washout. So they're one of the three undefeated teams. And some of the players, I guess, like our two guests included, we're used to seeing predominantly uh, scoring runs and taking wickets that they haven't been called upon yet. It's, uh, that, that's it's that's ominous. That is ominous for everybody else. Oh, very much if, so. If these two get going and, and we saw what they can do in last year. I, look, I'm not just saying that because they're here. I, I think the, the water board will be there in preliminary final day. I think they've got a very strong, deep squad. I also think Port Stevens will be there on... Uh, in the preliminary final day, to be quite frank with you, and then the others, well, it could get interesting. But they're two sides, and in the early in early doors, uh, the journeymen are actually looking pretty good as well. To be quite honest, um, there's three sides I think that you, you could see at the end of the season. Uh, over to old boys and Hamwick said, "What a game of cricket, Dan! Take us through this one. This was a superb game of cricket." Yeah, I mean, it's funny that there's been a lot of, I guess, one-sided smashings across the first three rounds, which I didn't expect to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very on paper, very even competition for for the most part. But this game ended up going down 11 runs. Uh, Glenda Oldboy's batting 34.3 for 145. I mean, we harp on about how important it is to yep. bat with 40 overs. And Rogue Scholars batting 39 by nearly batting their 40 in the run chase nearly got there. Um, a lot of starts for Glendale boys. Timmy Mason at 26, their skipper Liam Muir at 25, Adam Fitzhenry 21. No one went on with it, but still 145. Uh, some handy figures here. Jeremy Baxter, 3 for 25 from 6. And um, Cy Venkat Tamasetti, 3 for 28 from 5. I think I got that right. Uh, look, Rogue Skulls had a slow start to the season. I haven't seen 
Pat Considine's name. Um, I'm not sure if he's playing or if he's injured or just unavailable. But he, him not being there is a big hole for for the, for the Rogue Scholars. Um, they've got, they've done everything possible. They've batted nearly their overs. They're four and eleven short. Corey Bruce uh, looks like he's skipper this year again. Twenty four. Jeremy backs to twenty one. Few starts there, but no one's gone on with it. And as we're seeing in some of these other games with these teams in this greatest scoring big, someone's either batting the innings or batting a long way of the innings and getting high scores into the 80s, 90s, even uh, centuries. Um, Jeff Keating, um, veteran of the comp, 3 for 37 off 8. Would have been a good game of cricket to watch. Um, and, you know, I like, I much prefer to see these close encounters because it says a lot about cricket teams when the going's tough. You know, everyone's great when, you know, when it's a one-sided affair, but it's these... Games are going to show a bit of grit um, and say a lot about uh, teams. But, yeah, look, Glendale Old Boys, two from three. Um, Rogue Scholars, very slow start to their season as Mitchell Marsh walks back to the pavilion. Oh, dear. Um, next game, we actually get a centurion in the next game and Meriwether playing the guards. Meriwether, 237. Um, and they didn't bat 40. They were one. They collapsed at the end. And defeated the Gardens 139. And gentlemen, I hope this one, um, when Dan and Harris get 165 between them, it's going to be a difficult chase for everybody else. Uh, Harris's century is superb, 117 with 13 boundaries. But general, all, all, to all of you, that's another, ve- that's a very, very good win by almost 100 runs. Yeah, I mean, these guys played Merriweather the week before and absolutely smashed them there. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear, I guess, uh, Mitch and, and Mick's comments because they come up against Merriweather and, and put them to the sword. Mary, the way Merriweather's bounced back, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better bounce back. Um, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear what the fellas got to say about their game with Merriweather before we sort of go into de- into the reads on that game. Yeah, Merriweather, they're a pretty experienced team. They've been together for a while. And I think uh, every team has a stinker at some stage in the year, and you'd probably rather do it at the start of the year. Um, we just got off to such a flyer against them last week that when you chase them a really big total, like 240, you either get off to a flyer yourself or you can be bundled out pretty quick because you've got to keep up with the rate. So I think that was kind of the case for them last week. And I think the week before we played them, they bowled a team out for 40. So they were probably yep. short of a gallop. They probably hadn't had a bat. Um, or a bowl really bowling a team out for 40 as well. So I think they'll start to hit their strides. They're a good team with a lot of experience in it. So I think they'll do well during the year. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they've bounced back so quickly. Yeah, talking to a few of them after the game when we were having a beer and they um they were pretty sombre. The, the mood was pretty low there. So I was always expecting them to sort of bounce back pretty highly. They, they were pretty... Bat and ball, they were pretty disappointed with how they um, played. But I think particularly with the bat, they weren't too happy getting rolled for 60. So, um, yeah, every, every team has games like that. And as Mick said, they're probably, although it wasn't wasn't the best result for them, you're better off getting them out earlier uh, in the season. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that 237 is, they've batted their 40 overs minus the ball. Lee Williams, 117, a great knock, ball down 48. Rowan Kelly. 28. Um, Shanky Jude, cracking name, 4 for 31 from 8. He, uh, As I said last week, that's the best name in suburban districts. Shanky Jude, that is a cracking name. 
took wickets last week as well, so we a player to watch. The Gardens, again, they play a very similar game, and a number of their players are from the Tata Fullaroo team from the last few seasons. Uh, we see Varun Sharma, 28, Jivanjot Singh, 22, a skipper, Mohammed Khan, 33. So, again, three guys there getting starts, but no one going on with it, no one having that ability just to knuckle down and be the backbone of the innings. And you look at the um, consistency of Merriweather's bowls, and it's the old firm. Gritty, 3 for 23 off 6.2. Paul Dan, 3 for 26 off 6. Jason Pratton, 3 for 39 off 8. Uh, what's that? A 98-run win to Merriweather. And uh, again, very few teams in this competition, especially in the, the top half, are going to put two bad performances together. It simply won't happen. They learn from them, and they just refuse to, you know, you get beat, you get beat, but they just refuse to get walloped twice in a row. So um, the Gardens, have, okay, I'm really looking forward to when the Gardens play Carter Pullaroo because one team's either going to go really big or the game could be over by two o'clock because they just, the way they approach their cricket, it's all or nothing, both, both teams. I tell you what, we're seeing the best. The, these are in a group, some of the highest scores since we've been, um, some of the scores since we've been starting this podcast, Dan. And sure. I'd love to ask the guys this. I, I reckon there's a lot to do with the fact that it's been such a dry winter. And I think you might be getting some really good cricket pitches to bat on because it, it's most unusual to see so many sides scoring at five and a half and six and over. You've been seeing the previous years, 165 to 180 is sometimes a winning score. At the moment, I mean, this next game we're looking at, uh, the journeyman and the muddies are 247 but 161. Guys, in the games that you've played, have the wickets been nice and dry and good to bat on? Yeah, Jasmine, Jasmine sort of... Um played how it always traditionally has been it's pretty low and slow but it's it's still a pretty good deck to bat on if you just play fairly straight um which is what i didn't do but we won't talk about that um and yeah cardiff was an absolute belter um i would have loved to win the toss and give our blokes a good crack at having a um, first innings on that um but yeah um I, i honestly couldn't tell you what we put it down to these scores i think um in terms of us, that first game, we were just rearing for a game of cricket. We were pretty annoyed that we got that first round washout and we've been having a few net sessions and stuff, getting ready for the seasons, whereas previous seasons we've – our first bat's been in the game. So um, we're sort of just rearing to go and just keen to get into it, I think. I think um, I think the dry weather's definitely played a part. I think the last few years we've played on a lot of wet decks or underprepared decks, so – um, the other thing is I think the standard of cricket's definitely lifted. I think there's more guys in that middle that can get 10, 20 or 30 rather than sides banking on one or two or three guys to score all the runs. So the, the innings are actually getting stretched out to the full 40, so people are actually scoring more runs. And I think it's a credit to the way the competition's running um, that we're getting a good quality cricket every week by most of the sides. Pretty good point, actually, I must admit. The journeyman, Dion Sandoz, 101, carried his bat, as Dan often talks about, but this time he did 101 with 10 and 2. And just some consistent performances in there, they 30s and 20s, Patterson, Rinkin, Gauchi, and they end up with 247 of 40, which is a compelling score. Three for 47 were the best figures there from Brendan Frost. And then the Muddies have come out and just quite, not quite good enough and really weren't in the hunt, Dan, and ended up losing by uh, just over 86 runs. 
Yeah, look, Cameron Roxby, good to see him back yes. in form. But one of the best cricketers in this competition. One who's very good. I mean, he could still be running around in first grade district if he so chose to. Um, backbone of that inning, 67 not out. Mitchell Barry was 22. They batted into the 40th over, get that 160. But that's two games at Chesman Park. Waterboard last week, they won 235, high 230s. And then Journeyman have gone into 247. Um, I I'd actually said last week, I said, uh, Dion Sandos has the ability to bat long into an innings. Well, he's batted 40 and that 101 not out. Someone goes and bats it and inning gets 100, you will score a minimum 200. And as you said, a lot of guys were able to bat around him and bat quickly. And uh, 247, 247, I don't see anyone running down 247 uh, in Division 1, maybe in the lower grades. Uh, but, well, credit to the Mary Ellen. They've had a, a tough start in the season after, you know, last year, a year they'd like to forget. It shows me that they're in the fight. It shows me that they're going to have a red-hot crack so well done to them. Um, Scott O'Donoghue, who we got, uh, he scored 50-odd with a bat for the journeyman last week, or no, in round one, when they beat Warners Bay, uh, four for 27. So showing four with bat end ball. And Mal Angus, uh, not necessarily known for being a, a bowler, a very aggressive top-order bat, uh, two for 15 off five. So uh, again, I, and again, as I said last week, people probably think I'm on their payroll. I'm not. Um, I've just had a lot of experience playing against the Germans. I'm very familiar with them. They are my Smokies this season. And I'm just calling it now after round three. I think I called it last week after round two. Um they are my they are my Smokies. With no disrespect to any other team in the comp, if they can keep their players on the part, the only issue they've got is age, because a lot of them have been around for a while. But the experience and the and the hard heads of that team, they know how to play 40 over a side cricket as good as anyone else in this competition. And the final game for mine wasn't necessarily the who won or lost, but just the magnitude of the win. Port Stevens, seven for 233. Josh Moxie, after copying a sledging from a certain host of this show last week, another one to carry his bat, 95 off 98. Lee Williams, 48 in a hurry. Jared Moxie, 34, seven for 233. And they've turned around and knocked over Warners Bay, and this is good for quotient, for 83. Uh, with our mate David Absalom actually showing up with the bat, not out 14. But, guys, all of you, that is a – in my mind, it's a rather ominous performance from Port Stevens. That, that, and they did that away too. That's a very, very good win, gentlemen. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty similar to our game against Merriweather the the week before where they've put a big score on and yeah, you you've got to go hard from the word go. So I think Warners Bay they're still as successful as they were last year. I think they're still finding their feet with their middle order batting. I think they're they're top heavy and they need to find a few guys in the middle order especially to chase um the bigger totals. That'll be their challenge this year to to go a step further than what they went last year. Well, that, that's actually a pretty good point. Um, our dear friend, Neil Smith, that will, won't be very pleased at the start of his season. He's hard to be able to hit the ball off the square, the, the, the K-pop. He's probably just more concerned with his male modelling. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just a convincing performance. Hawley and Leighton Everly, three fers. Meerkat a wicket and Tyron Everly, a twofer. It's just a thumping performance. It's all you can say. It's just... It's quite ominous, and you can see the two West sides, Dan and Port Stevens, are already 
putting their foot down, saying we are here and we are dead set serious about getting deep into the finals. I know that we've got um, uh, Mitch and Michael here, but for mine, even early doors, I can see these three sides looking very, very dangerous. Yeah, very much so. And we've, we've talked about how important it is for teams to have someone or people who can bat long. And we've, we've seen with Sandos for the journeyman, uh, Josh Moxie, 95, not out batting fully in the weekend. When Giles Manley's available for Warner's Bay, it's a completely different outlook because he can bat long and score big. And when he's there, he very rarely fails. And the other players in the team can bat around him. When he's not there, other people have to step up. And as Michael stated, the top order sort of get going, but there's that middle order of just says that collapse. And, and it's the difference between being able to get those high 100s to not even getting to 100. Um, I mean, 83, Steve Russell, 22. And, yeah, our friend Dave Adson, 14 not out. So, I mean, a slow start to the season for Warners Bay. But, look, they're too good a team to write them off. But they're certainly, um, you know, no any pole position compared to where, the, as you said, the two West teams and the uh, Pythons are sitting at present. And the top four's got a really familiar ring about it. Port Stevens on top by quotient on nine points, followed by the journeyman on nine, the waterboard on eight as a result of that uh, washout, which Mitch has already indicated they weren't very happy with. And then Mary the Lions on seven alongside Glendale Old Boys. But that top four's just got a real familiar feel about it. And you just wonder what, what in about six or seven rounds' time, if there's going to be some separation there. I actually think there will be. But uh, anyway, it's going to be very interesting to see how we progress over the next few weeks. And also, with unfortunate, with weather predicted in the next couple of days, you just hope that people can get on. Um, Michael, can I ask you a question um, just off topic a bit? What was it like, by, uh, and I, I know you guys played, but it's the first time we've had to speak to you. What was it like bowling to a guy that a couple of weeks later ended up playing Sheffield Shield for New South Wales? And, and I believe you got him. Is, am, I, am I thinking that was right at Harker? Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't get him out. But it was uh, it was actually really a uh, good experience to play in that game and to bowl against him. And I've seen he's, he's got a couple of hundreds to start the yes. Sydney grade already this year. So he's going on to bigger and better things, which is um, it's good to see. But, well, someone's um, got to get runs for New South Wales because at the moment, yeah. our New South Wales side are just, uh, uh, for the first time in my memory, are really struggling. I see yeah. Curtis Patterson's been dropped, but we're talking about Blake McDonald. It was interesting to bowl to him. Yeah, yeah, it was really, it's a good challenge. And um, bowling leg spin, like they're always going to go after you. And being 2020, it's kind of double doubled down. But um, I think the game was pretty much gone by the time I came on. So I had a bit of freedom and could really toss the ball up and just go for broke. So, yeah, it was a good experience and, um, yeah, it was good fun. From memory, you bowled actually two maidens in your four overs, did you not? That's right. Yeah, he did. Absolutely <laughs> unheard of in any form of T20, regardless of where the game's at. That was – I got the commentator. It was – same bloody station. It was Jesse Ballenden, unbelievably, who knocked over Blake McDonald. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah, oh, was the male model himself, was it? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse, yeah. I think, actually, um, well, I said, yeah, the, the game was probably gone, but it allowed you to think, well, they, they brought it back a bit. They got off because Wivel did Wivel things and Blake McDonald was doing what he does. And, um, yeah, it could have been over a hell of a lot sooner, but, no, it's it a sensational um, effort. Two, two maidens in four overs in a frigging T20 picture. Yeah, no, it was, I, I was 
I, I suppose that that the next segue before we go and look at some scores and then get into John Ball, guys, the summer bash is not far away. I'm sure that you are looking forward to it again to um, get stuck in and, and get yourself into the finals. Yeah, it will be good. Um, I think every year that sort of suburban districts gets a bit older, I think that as the quality grows, um, the, our summer bash teams are only going to get stronger and stronger. I know that um, our, our sort of Sydney imports have always been doing jobs for us, but I feel like a lot of, and probably more so myself, but a lot of the uh, local players that um, play in our comp probably haven't performed as well as they'd like. Um, so I think even just making that the the quarterfinals last year, um, I think that's mm. a massive confidence boost for us, and I expect yes. to pick up a few more few more players um, with the new season, and hopefully we can capitalise on some better performances. Oh, look, I it was wonderful to get there next year. I think the next step is to get to the semis, guys, uh, at least, and capitalise on the on the momentum you've got because there's enough players in the in this competition who, at their best, can really compete. Um, it, and it's a terrific competition. It really is. And I, I, I get the feeling that the the Suburban District Rebels guys really enjoy playing in that summer bash because, as Michael's just alluded to, you really do get to play, play. You get some great experience and you get to toss it up with and fight up and fight the best players around. Yeah, and I think, I think we're only going to improve with more experience and more exposure to that level of cricket. So the thing is for the for the Summer Bash team and for the for the John Bull Shield is actually getting the mix right of the older guys that have been there and bringing young guys through so they've got that experience so that the team's always moving forward. There's always young guys coming through and taking the next lot of spots. So I think they've got the balance right over the last couple of years and that's why they're starting to improve. I think one of the things when you sit in commentary like the two of us do is you get to watch the tactics that are being used in T20 cricket, particularly the way teams field and different sides, how they go about it. And they're the things that you can pick up from watching other sides. I had the privilege of calling some uh, regional bash finals at North Sydney Oval. And one of the four teams in the semifinals didn't have any fields when in the box at short mid wicket and short cover. So there was an automatic easy single. And you'll find that the better sides will always have guys in their eye line putting pressure on them. And, you know, it's just things like that you get to pick up. And you also build up a corporate knowledge of the Bayers that you're playing against and know, hmm, Dan Saunders, I know he likes to go straight. Or Michael Rippon, I know he likes to uh, he likes to short stuff. We might pitch up to him. I know that Mitch it's probably likely to run down the pitch and try and whack me for six first ball, yada yada yada, things like that. Okay, sorry, that that's a half joke, Mitchell. No, no that's <laughs> a full joke. That happened. <laughs> anyway, look, and, and I've talked about summer bash, and it it's cannot wait to see how the suburban district sides got. Genuinely, a vested interest in it, and uh, I hope I hope the guys go well. Saundo, this is your part of the show, mate. You've got some performances, and then after the performances, the round, the safe one. Winner of the week, we'll go into John Bull Shield and chat with the guys about that as well. Over to you, Daniel. Okay, well, before we go to the safe one performance of the round, I've got a good news story I wanted to share. Okay, so on the weekend, now this happened down in the lower grades. Um, the Hunter Taverners played Nelson Bay. Okay, now Nelson Bay had three sets of father and sons playing in their team, which I think is fantastic. I mean, that's what social cricket's all about, especially down in the lower grades. So, um, just read my handwriting. So from the Chapel family, Simon and his son Hunter, Hunter's 14, um, played together in that same team 
Pat Tully and his son, Shannon Jackson. Now, not only did they get to play together, Shannon came out batting at eight, put on a 58-run partnership with his dad, which is pretty cool, and uh, hit 66 off 42 with seven fours and four sixes. There was also Rob and Nathan Ben. So three father-sons playing on that Nelson Bay team. Now, in the opposition for the Hunter Taverners were five members of the Kedwell family. So Chris Kedwell, who uh, was a performance of the round winner last year at a stellar season, his daughter Madison, or Maddie, as she's known, and she's playing a lot of um, women's representative cricket. Um, Chris's brothers, Scott and Brendan, and Brendan's son, Nathan, all took the field for the Hunter Taverners on the weekend in a very close game. I think it was about a 10-run difference in the game. So Nelson made three father-son combinations, and the Kedwell family had five players playing the same team uh, for the opposition to Hunter Taverners. So I thought that was pretty cool. Good luck being a guest scorer at those games. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Daniel, performances of the round, my friend. Right. Well, I don't know whether it's because of these dry wickets and dry outfields, but there seems to be a lot of people scoring runs and a lot of people taking fifers. Um, you'll have to bear with me. It, it took it took some going this week for me to come up with a winner. Um, it's been very ball-focused the first two weeks. It's gone to a batter this week, but We'll go through and give out, uh, we'll just name some uh, exceptional performances through the grade. So we'll start with Division 1. Some we've already mentioned. Dion Sandos and the journeyman, 101 not out, batted the entire 48. It was a fantastic effort. Josh Moxie from the Port Pythons, 95 not out, batting at a snail's pace. Didn't get his 100, uh, but batted 48. It was a great job for his team. Uh, Lee Harris for Merriweather, a very honourable mention. Very close, 117 with 13 fours. In Division 2, Craig Hargraves for the Garden scored 93. Well done to Craig. Uh, for Nelson Bay, Bryce Causley scored an even 100, batting at six, nine fours and eight sixes. 84 runs of his 100 coming in boundaries. So Bryce had somewhere to be. So well done to him. In Division 3, Luca Jones from Newcastle City, six overs, four maidens, five for 13. So when they couldn't hit him, they couldn't. When they could hit him, he went a bit of tap. But five for 13 off six of four maidens, a great individual performance. Brendan Binks from Valentine Ellie Barner scored 104 runs from 100 balls with 15 boundaries and three sixes. So not much running getting done there either. So well done there. I'm going to skip Division 4 and go to Division 5. Now, the uh, sponsor of our award, Safe One, is uh, Grant Hutchings. He's a long-term player in the CNS and Wallsend District and now Suburban Districts. He actually had a day out himself playing for the Slashes in Division 5. He scored 85. So well done, Hutcho. Now, this next lot of performances all happened in the same game. So at Upper Reserve at Wallsend, Valentine has scored 7 for 302 in 35 overs. 7 You are kidding. Was, was, where, where, which ground? Upper Reserve, up, opposite walls in number two, on the other side of the main road where the twin servos are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fields. yeah. Big open field, synthetic wicket in the middle, and a lot of touch footy gets played there. So I was about to say the touch football fields. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fast outfield. So Jared Hayes has scored 100 
retired not out, so I'd say he's given someone else a go. Uh, for Valentinelli Barr, 15 fours and two sixes. Jaden Potts has scored 84 off only 40 with 16 fours and two sixes. My and match, a, a very close associate of a friend of ours, Jimmy Newburn. Uh, very good league player, Jaden Potts. Very yep. good. Well, he's at 76 of his 84 in boundaries. Um, for the opposition, Shahir Ahmed from Walls End scored 84 off 72 with seven fours and six sixes. So that 302, I think, is the first 300 we've had this season in suburban districts. So apologies if I'm wrong. In Division 6, Nathan Roskell from Valentine Elibana. Seven overs, two maidens, five for 18. Bloody Greg Mandel from the Katara Hornets. Uh, I put this up on the Facebook page. This was quite astounding. So Katara Hornets played the Adamstown Hunters in Division 6. They played a 185-run tie. The Slashers, or the Hunters, sorry, were four for 167 when the ball got thrown to G Mantle and uh, went with bowl four overs, no maidens, six for four. Oh, my goodness me. And uh, what, a, no what an extraordinary finish to a game of cricket that is. No spring chicken either, but um, well done to G. He, um, and the black butt would have been drunk out of just about anything that had ever <laughs> Uh For Warners Bay, Krishna Habafinian, seven overs, one maiden, five for 25. Well done, Krishna. Division seven. For the Toronto Mud Crabs, Matthew Peterson scored 94, 11 fours and 1 six. Uh, Jeff Jones also in that same game for the Mud Crabs, seven overs, one maiden, five for 14. I'm going back to Division 4 now. Uh, Dave Gilbert, not that Dave Gilbert, but Dave the other Gilbert one. for the Dukes, 98 not out. Uh, well batted there to Dave Gilbert. Uh, Beresfield Memorial, now Chris Bonner, I've been uh, advised that's how to pronounce it has had a fat day out, and he's got the big honourable mention. He's very unlucky not to get the award. He scored 115 off 60 deliveries with 10 fours and seven sixes. Uh, you'll see why he's come a very close second shortly. But in that same game, Patrick Carey for Beresfield, seven overs, two maidens, five for 10. But this week's safe one, Performance of the Round Award, goes to Mohammed. Askenyar from the Gardens, who scored 110 not out of 48 deliveries with eight fours and 10 sixes, and then backed that up with 4.1 overs, three for 14. He sounds like he's scoring out. in a. He sounds like he's scoring like the rate of class and he's for the Yarpies at the moment in the World Cup. He's hitting bombs everywhere for fun. It's like what you see in the European League. Yeah. <laughs> 110 not out of 48. That's going at well over 200. 10 sixes, eight fours, and also three for 14 or four. Mohamed Afghania from the Gardens is this week's Safe One Performance of the Round Award winner. He'll get $30 off any purchase at Safe One at Warners Bay. Cricket gear, cricket apparel, workwear, high vis, steel cap boots, netball bibs, you name it, whatever he wants. Hutcho on the team, they'll be able to look after him. So well done. And well done to everyone. I think that's the most performances. And having a laptop that's, yep, Redders is wearing his uh, sort of Redders swag done up by Safe One. Uh, in my case, it's a black side screen. That's how big it is. <laughs> my moomoo's in the wash. Um, <laughs> no, but look, again, some great individual performances there. And um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see people out there enjoying their cricket and, and getting on the park. So good stuff. Okay, let's go to John Ball Shield. Uh, now, perfect segue. The John Ball Shield starts this Sunday, the 29th of October. Traditional rivals Singleton and Cessnock played Hal Park at Singleton in, in one of the round one games. And the other game is our own Suburban Districts Rebels hosting the Upper Hunter Wombats. This game will be played at Cardiff number two. Over to you guys, Dan. And, and guys, we're going to read the side out and then talk a bit of representative cricket. Daniel. Okay, so the so this is the squad for game one. So there's there's been quite a bit of interest again, what I've been told, talking to the manager, Ray Rutten, which is great because... A lot of guys want to play summer bash, T20, play locally, get to play on all the you know, number one sports ground, all the you know the top level grounds in Newcastle. The John Ball, it's fifty overs a side. It's all day Sunday, and there's Mick and, and and Mitch be able to attest, you know, with you know families and and partners and things of that nature. You know, do well to get the leave pass to play cricket every Saturday afternoon to then give up a whole Sunday. And often, you know, luckily this is a card. There's games at Scone, games at uh, Maitland, Cessnock, Singleton. Um, so to get players who can commit to play is fantastic. Um, so the, this is the squad. There's other players who are um, in the squad but aren't playing because of their unavailabilities. But congratulations to the following players. Now, this is just the order I've been given it. Don't read anything into it. I mean, Mitch is a skipper, so the batting order will change as he sees fit. But the following players, Lee Williams from the Port Stevens Pythons, Adam Fitzhenry from Glendale Old Boys, Jared Moxie from the Port Stevens Pythons, Mitch Cronin, captain from the Waterboard, Matthew Hiriot, who's in great form from the Waterboard. Congratulations on his selection. Tim Mason from Glendale Old Boys, Mitch Piller from Merriweather, Jeremy Rushford from the Pythons. He's been having a fat season in Division Two, scoring runs and taking wickets. Tyron Everly from the Port Stevens Pythons, Michael Ripon, well done, Mick from the Waterboard, Grant Garland, who'll be the wicketkeeper from the Pythons, and Jesse Ballenden from Warners Bay. Chris Divert is the uh, emergency player if there's any other availabilities. Um, so, look, on paper, a very strong team. And Mitch, um, you just chuck 11 or 12 numbers in a in a bottle and tip it out, and that's how you pick your batting order. Just, you could really do anything with that team, and, and you're going to be strong. Yeah, that's right. I'm just having a few technical difficulties here. So if I start breaking up, that's why. But... Um... Yeah, look, a, a few of these players I haven't seen because there's a few boys from the Glendale Law Boys that have been selected. But um, from what I've been told, rightfully so, they're they're pretty gun players. So um, yeah, look, we've got we've got a few ideas of like sort of where blokes batted last year and trying to slot uh, the new guys in in there. But yeah, um, yeah, look, I, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting rep season. I think um, I personally think that. The side this year looks a bit stronger than last year, um, which is always a positive, and I, I think we're in a pretty good position to be able to go back to back. Yeah, it's a lot more youth. I think is the nice way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I suppose, guys, especially from the bowling perspective, the chance to, especially as a, as a leggy, Michael, the opportunity to have sixty rocks in an innings gives you a real opportunity to work batsmen over and to have a few plans at them and, and work a few blokes out. Yeah, I really enjoy the John Bull Shield. I like the 50-over format, I think. Uh, it brings out the best in the batsmen. They're actually trying to bat the time rather than just going after you. So you've got to earn your wickets, but you also get a chance to get them out as well. 
by working them over and coming up with strategies um, to get them out. So, yeah, I really look forward to it. We've got a good squad. Like the team looks really good. And as um, Saunders was saying, we've got a lot of youth in it. So if we can have a successful year this year, then we've, we've got a team that we can keep developing and actually get stronger and stronger with more experience. Yeah. To be and fair, the competition last year produced some extraordinary cricket. <laughs> Sorry, Sondo, I cut you off there, mate. No, that's okay. No, I was just going to say this about youth. I mean, Josh Moxie's um, not playing. I'm not sure if that's for the season or if it's just for the first few rounds. Uh, the Meerkat, uh, not there. Jason Everly has been a revelation. Again, so Mike will take on that, I guess, strike spin bowling role. Uh, Grimmy, Steve Grimshaw and Simon Smith from Warners Bay. Jeremy Kirk from the Python. So, there's a lot of bowlers there who've done a great job in the in the previous three seasons in the John Ball um, for the Rebels and the representative team. Jason Pratt, another player not there. Um, so there, there's a lot of guys, yeah, who've been around a long time, but quality cricketers. But the guys who have come in, and, and that's the future. That's how this representative squad will evolve and just keep getting stronger. And as we're seeing players, we're five years ago, it was sort of like, oh, We'll ring up Saturday night and see who's available and you're going down to C grade and D grade to get players that were going to rep cricket. you got blokes lining up in Division 1 who want to be selected. And I just think that's that's a testament to all the hard work that Ray Rutten's put in, Dave Absalom's put in, like Mitch and, and Josh and, and all these players. Um, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, being an old you know fellow myself now, I, I'm very proud of, you know, the, this squad and... I guess the commitment to representative cricket, I think it's great because, again, you know, being a, a parent myself, I, I know how hard it is to to prize away from the kids to to do anything else. So to you know, to, to to want to go and wear that that rebels kit and get out there and play cricket with these fellas, and I really love how all these places get on, you know. And it's what I'm finding talking around the traps. All the clubs have got a lot of respect for each other on the park. It's 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 very willing still, but. You know, seeing them all have a beer together and a chat and, you know, those those imaginary lines are just broken down. They're just cricketers who love the game and everyone's on the same page with it. That's, you know, that's suburban districts to a T. And I'm glad that the Rebels rep team represents that vision and that culture that, that was aimed for from day one. So, again, it's a 10 o'clock start for both those games. Again, Singleton hosting Cessnock, the Rebels hosting the upper 100 Wombats. A 10 o'clock start this Sunday, weather permitting. Mitch Cronert's got the leadership duties there. Gentlemen, the very best of luck with that. Uh, Mitch, good luck again being captain. I know you enjoy uh, being, being lawyer of that side. And, Michael, I do think that this, uh, having watched you a little bit on Frogbox last year and you sp spinning a web around uh, around blokes, I think that this is the perfect opportunity to get stuck in. I do think that the Rebels have got to strike early. The, the Getting a win up in this competition early sets you up for the rest of the season. And, again, last year, this competition produced some extraordinary results. Uh, gentlemen, uh, first, Mitch, Mitch, first of all, congratulations for being selected, Captain. Guys, to both of you, the very best of luck and from us to the entire squad, including the great man Ray and, and Mr. T Head. Thanks, Ray. Okay, not a problem. Absolute, we're really proud of you guys and I hope you go really well. Saunders, that's about all I've got for the moment. We've, we've kept the guys here for 45 minutes. It's been really good. I'm sure you've got something else to finish off with, but uh, before we say thanks to our special guests. Yeah, I just did, did the waterboard fellas want to give their sponsors a plug. I know uh, they've got quite a yes. few. And I'm really impressed with uh, their their social media activity. They're really putting themselves out there, which is fantastic because, again, that's how 
the club's going to grow, how they're going to attract players. When their sponsors see they're getting, you know, their name put out there, they're more inclined to maybe want to keep tossing money. And so open floor, fellas, to uh, wrap your sponsors. And I guess call out anyone else within the club, whether positive or anyone you want to throw an uppercut to, go nuts. Mick, do you want to take over that? You you put all the sponsors onto the shirt the other day. I've, I'm missing a couple in the back of my mind. Sorry, mate. So you want to take um, the lead there? Look, we've got we've got Ben Spoke on board that we've had on board for probably five or six seasons, maybe even a bit longer. That they're our beer sponsor, and in the SQ we've got the the Jasmine Hotel that we go back to for a beer after each game. That they've been sponsoring us for a long period of time now, which is a great spot to go after a game. Um, we've got. One of the players in our team runs his own carpentry company, John Crace, and he's our major sponsor this year. So it's good to have him on board as well. We've got a few other little sponsors that have joined this year. So we're just thankful for the support that we've got. Um, without them, we probably wouldn't be back at Jasmine this year. And that's that's part of our club getting our identity back. And we've, we've already seen our results there this year. It's a, it's a positive one. And... Um, so we're looking forward to playing there a lot more often and that's what the sponsorship brings. And we thank all of our sponsors for all of our clubs. Um, they're the lifeblood of all community sports clubs. We thank them very much. Dan, if you have nothing further, I might say our sincere thank yous to the guys, I think. Just quickly, uh, round four fixtures for the Div 1. Go. So Rogue Scholars are hosting Warners Bay at Islington Oval. Merriweather are hosting Cardiff Bullaroo at Connolly Park. The Waterboard, fellas here, are hosting the Glendale Old Boys at Jesmond. The Gardens are hosting the Mudrats at Walders Park. So those teams, one of them are going to get off the mark with a win for the season. And in, I think no one's going to disagree, this being the match of the round, the two under, well, Waterboard are undefeated, but the two undefeated teams are three from three. Port Stevens Pythons are hosting the Journeymen at 1833, weather permitting. So, um, again, five cracking games of cricket this weekend in Division 1 in Suburban Districts. Fabulous. And they're special that game up at Roman Church. That'll be a cracking game. Mitch and Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's 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 we've been here for a while and it is a Wednesday, Wednesday night, but it's a real privilege for us to, for you to come on board and, and join us and give us your insights, especially with Rep Cricketer happening this Sunday. Thank you so much. Best wishes off for Saturday, Sunday, and for the remainder of the season. And there's an open invitation to come back anytime you like. Awesome. Sounds good. Saunders, you can go and put your Aussie kit on now, mate, instead of got your Dutch gear on there in the orange. Oh, it's actually a rock trading shirt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good. Hey, look, with all these upsets going on, I have a foot in each camp. It's going to be Switzerland. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, th thanks for having us, Redders. Uh, always. Mate. Best wishes. Hope you recuperate. Daniel, catch up with you next week. Uh, on behalf of Dan and our special guest, Michael Rippon and Mitch Cronin, this is David Redden. That's been the Saundo and Redders podcast for Wednesday, the 25th of October. From us, for now, it's bye-bye.